0: 6 o'clock always a good time to call Baird Brothers featuring fine hardwood since 1960 this is News Radio 570 WKDN Youngstown this
1: Paul Wetzel
0: it's 48 the following is a paid program and does not necessarily represent the views of Media.
1: Securities and advisory services offered through Investicorp, member FINRA, SIPC. Information provided during the J. Arnold Wealth Management Company show is intended for informational purposes only and should not be considered advice. Please consult with your own investment advisor or tax advisor before making any investment decisions. This is the J.
0: Arnold Wealth Management Show. It's Monday night, News Radio 570 Dodie KBN. Time now to check in with John Arnold, find out how things are looking as far as uh, the wild, wacky world of finance goes. And uh, John, let's talk first about how things uh, shook out today in the markets.
1: Well, they did more than shook out. They blew up in a good way. Uh, 400 point Dow, 84 point NASDAQ. It doesn't get any better than that. And, and I, I hope a lesson was learned. For the people that were frantic about two two and a half weeks ago. About oh boy, it's the mo-, you know the bond market's going to blow up and infl- inflation's here and this and that. Look, it is all for naught. You're almost back to exactly where you were. Uh, the mar- the market is is almost back back to exactly where it was prior to its big uh, two thousand point uh, drop. And uh, like I said, a lot of shakeout happened, and uh, you know, and we're we, we get to see who the true players in the market are. That's that. So big day.
0: So, so you could truly describe that period then, as you guys do, as a buying opportunity. People who bought in then, uh, obviously, did okay because, depending on what they bought, it, it, uh, it's they made some money. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, I, I'm proud to step up and say our clients made a lot of money, a lot of money, quick. Uh, that that I had cash, setting our new clients that came in on off the sidelines or or from another firm, et cetera. And we plugged them into our portfolio, and bam, immediate gains. And then, obviously, our, our clients that um, were already in our portfolios had already them did fantastic for the year. They lost a lot; of their, they lost some of their gains, I should say. And then, came roaring rip, they came roaring right back to where they were just two and a half weeks ago. So everybody's happy, and everything's hunky dory. And I'm just so glad that our clients listened to us, and hopefully, some of the listeners out there that do their own trading, hopefully, they followed. Uh, what we were saying too, and because I hate to, I hate to hear anybody get hurt off our of artificial fear and you know all that kind of stuff. So, bottom line is, is it's been an interesting three, four weeks, and I think you got some more choppy trading. You're going to see go- to go, but the trend is up, higher highs, higher lows, uh, way above the 250-day moving averages now, and uh, it looks like we're going to have another bullish quarter.
0: I guess when you when you took the chance, and it's always a big chance when you did when you pulled out the stop losses, that's always a big chance. But you had what uh, research, gut feeling, what was it to to pull out the stop losses and not let them care, trigger in?
1: Well, there's on the research side, there's not much, there's not research out there that, and, and I'm being totally candid here, there's not research that says hey, during a market that's going down 800 points to 1,500 points during a day, uh, pull your stop losses off because it's artificial. That's where your experience as a trader or as an investment person uh, or a team comes into play to say, listen, this is nonsense. This is is artificial. If If you don't pull the stop losses off, you're going to artificially sell your clients out. And so your wisdom and your experience take over. I don't know. I can't say if 2006 John Arnold would have done that i probably would have got scared and made an amateur move and said oh my god i better I, you know i'm worried about what my clients are going to think if i don't stop them out and this and that and now, now it's now it's kind of one of those things to where you know the old bull and young bull thing where i'm walking down uh and, and doing my thing so i i uh i i just use my wisdom to, t- to be honest with you and, and that's for this time period anyway it paid off
0: all right, so you, you would chalk it up more to experience, basically, yeah. a, 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 in watching this, because you, you and I would agree it is a risky move uh, when, when you got a market that's going down significantly to say, hey, I'm not going gonna, gonna to take the stop losses out. I mean, granted, that is a risky move for anyone to do.
1: That's extremely risky, especially if you tell them that's what you do. Strategies are in place with our clients when they first come in, and I tell them, listen, we got a certain percentage on a decline that we stop our clients out. So we we kind of guard against the major catastrophic loss that way. We do this, we do that. You know, it's kind of my my elevator pitch to the client. And most of them buy in and say, okay, we're going to give you a shot. And then when I change strategy on them, and I say, hey, listen, or, or they just notice there's no stops in their account, and they're wearing, looking at me cross-eyed, like, hey, what the heck is going on? And my explanation is, hey, you're going to have to, change, you're going to, have to trust me on this one. This is one of those times where we need to go go, go for it on our own four-yard line, fourth and one, where it usually doesn't make sense. Well, now it does, and I got to tell you, over the past seven to six years, our clients have let me do my job, and they've trusted in me. And the the truth of the matter is, is they they trusted me in my decision. So, it was it was very risky. You're 100% in your assessment in a couple of different ways more than you'd even know. And uh, but again, that's that's why you're paying me to coach the football team, and I'm going to make some hard decisions when they need to be made.
0: Where do you? I mean, what? Where do you see things uh, going from uh, what this day forward? You know, get, give me your short term and long term view. You know, for 2018.
1: I think short term, fantastic market. I really do. I think you. I, I pop on the market about three years ago, if you remember. I was calling for a 26,000 point Dow Jones. Well, that turned out to be wrong because we're already here. So, I, uh, I think you're probably going to see a 30,000 point Dow Jones, maybe even a thirty two thousand point thirty two thousand point Dow Jones. Um, I use that as a gauge because that, I normally don't like that gauge to be honest with you, but that's what everybody seems to enjoy is the Dow Jones and uh, that's what they base their index on. Um, so I say that 32,000 point maybe. And everything's a guess, by the way. Uh, and I think uh, sh- I think that's a long term goal, obviously. And I think by the end of the year, you're probably going to see a twenty six thousand five hundred to twenty seven thousand point Dow Jones. Now, where I where I see the market really getting hurt is probably uh, two thousand twenty. That that will be the year of obviously Donald Trump's uh, another four term four year term, and if you're a Democrat. And, and you're currently getting your butt kicked. When I say Democrat, I mean overall Democrats getting butt kicked in Congress and Senate and just presidentially overall right now. He's doing really great things for their market. The only way you're going to be able to take that guy down is to to beat him at his own game, and that's with the stock market and the economy. So if you're going to artificially bring down, bring the thing down, you're going to have to do it in a pre-election year, So, um, or I should say election year. So just as a guess, this is a truly a guess. You probably got a probably got a really good stock market year for the next two and a half years, and be prepared for for one hell of a ride on your form Trump's presidency. Because, uh, like I said, if you're going to take him down, you're, you're going to take him down with economic means. But we'll see. A lot of people think that's hocus pocus and uh, a little bit of you know I don't know Johnny Come Lately stuff. But I, that's what I think. I think that. I think politics are as dirty as they've ever been, and uh, that's the one way you're going to have to beat them. And enough people in the stock market are going to uh, are going to have to take that ride uh, when it comes. But I still think ultimately he'll win the election.
0: All right outside and and that's a long ways out i mean we, you know there's Brilliant. always a, uh, i mean there's always the, the midterms and that's a that's a ways out I'd speculate on midterms and keeping in mind that trump's going to be seventy four who knows if he'll want to run for re-election. and quite frankly at that age, who knows if he'll still be alive you just you, you just don't know that, but looking at things as you look now, do you see any tr and any thing economically? Any economic bad signs or trends that bother you? I mean, when you look at corporate earnings, and, you know, I'm looking at deregulation, which I think has been a big game changer as far as companies and their investment. I'm looking at, uh, you know, the corporate tax cuts. I mean, uh, are you seeing anything
1: economically that would bother you? Ron, I don't. And if you listen to what I said before, I gave you a short term range and a long term range, so I apologize if I didn't answer your quick question correctly but again i think your dow jones is going to hit your twenty-seven thousand mark here at the end of the year the end of this year and my projection of thirty-two thousand at the end of trump's term was for two and a half years out but the answer to the current current as far as within the week no i i could not be happier i could not be more bullish i could not be more positive about the stock market and where it's going again or you know that we've seen this we've been here before in 2001, 2002, everybody felt good. In 2007, everybody felt good, and then you had catastrophic market crashes. So don't take that as, well, no matter what, the stock market's charging hard. But as things sit today, stock market's very bullish. I'm very bullish on it. I don't see economically anything getting in its way. I will say I'm starting to see in our own firm and our own lifestyle uh, inflation creep up. I will say that. But the key word in that is creeping up. Uh, my uh, our therapy that we go to uh, massage therapy or chiropractic visits etc um, which are warrants not needs those might come up four or five to ten dollars a crack right um, barber shop haircuts going up a buck um, little products uh, dining services I, I'm starting to see it in every capacity in, in our in our investment firm as well where the, the the cost of copies the cost of postage the cost of everything payroll services everything has gone up just a little bit and uh so far the economy has been able to handle that a little bit but it's going to be interesting to see when the crosshairs when the tracks come when you meet the when the crossroads come to see how the economy is going to handle it when real inflation comes but right now tell you truth ron it is it is bullish time these are great times to be an investment advisor and to be an investment person, to be pers- to be a client of myself or Merrill Lynch or whoever the hell else because uh, it's just a good time to be an American investor.
0: Right. And, and if I understood your answer before, you know, there's, there's always something catastrophic that could happen in the news is what I'm saying. You know, they could, you know, like a September 11th, there's something along those lines that it could t- truly be unforeseen. But I mean, when you're looking at the economic data that's going on, all the indicators are pretty good right now. And is, and when you talk about inflation, do you, are you troubled that when they're talking about potentially raising interest rates a little bit? I sit back, John. I think, are they jumping the gun on this kind of stuff? I mean, Trump wants an economy to, to, to soar. He wants to get to four or five percent growth because that's good for the tax base. And that, you know, he's the one who says, if I can get this to four or five percent, that takes care of a lot of debt and deficit issues. That takes care of a lot of problems with Social Security. It solves a lot of issues <clears throat> if, if I does. could get to growth in the economy. Now, I'm wondering if the Fed, when they're talking about interest rates uh, increases, you know, I don't want them to pull the trigger too soon to take a little steam out of the engine. What are your thoughts about that?
1: You know, very rarely do you and I disagree on something. This would be one of those maybe. I slightly disagree with you here. I will say, now keep in mind, I'm talking to you from Palm Beach, Florida right now, Jupiter, Florida. And I got to tell you, it's lights out here. It is lights out economically, crazy boom. Now, granted, it's one of the wealthiest places in the country. But if you even go up to Stewart, which is about a 40-minute drive, or Hope Sound, or if you go down to Miami, or if you go down to, you go across the way to Sarasota, which isn't, you know, Hollywood primetime stuff things are still fantastic there. There's crazy building going on there. They're literally flattening buildings here and then having new buildings up like nice sized buildings, eight to say 20,000 square foot buildings. Uh, just they're flattening them and then rebuilding them within a couple months. And then it's as if the old building never existed. And there's a huge operation going on. And when I say it's all over the place, I mean, literally it's all over the place. So I do believe to keep the economy healthy and stable to where you don't have super inflation someday. I think a slight increase in interest rates would be uh, prudent. Uh, it was probably the best word to say, but do I, do I want them raising them one, one percent a quarter? No, I don't. And I don't think they're stupid enough to do that, especially Trump in there. So I agree with you to an extent to where, you know, is it, should we take the, the foot off the gas a little bit maybe? And, uh And 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 do this slowly as far as interest rate cuts uh, or say I say interest rate increases. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. We we shouldn't just say, okay, you know what? uh, I hope they don't just one percent next quarter, but I do believe you know something something a slight increase would be prudent. I really do.
0: All right. So and and so you foresee that coming, but you don't. If I got you correctly, you don't see that as causing any issues as far as stalling the
1: growth. No, I don't. As a matter, so it's funny that you said that. I was talking to you about like everywhere I, I'm looking now, like there's a price increase. So I, I'm kind of this guy who drives everybody nuts. I, I ask the people, has it affected your business? Has this affected your business? You know, have any has anybody complained? And I. And here's the thing, people have, now keep in mind, it's a very New Yorker, very New Jersey type of crowd right now because of, of snowbirds, but they have complained. But I also asked the business owners, I said, did they stop coming? No, they just grumbled a little bit. They paid, and then two weeks later, it's as if they didn't raise prices. So I, I gauge, believe it or not, the economy on the common man. You know, is, there, is a small business owner like Ron Verb and John Arnold, are they, you know, are they getting affected, or are they, or is this right in line to where it's business as usual? And so far, so good. It's been business as usual. So, that, so that's a good thing.
0: And if you take a look at other areas, so there is inflation in certain areas, but in other areas, you know, I, I noticed gasoline prices down here in Salem, incidentally, uh, gang. They're two fifteen at the Speedway. Two fifteen a gallon at the Speedway up the street here from Stadium GM this night. Like uh, out in my neck of the woods, they're about uh, two thirty. So they're about fifteen cents more at the same type gas station from Salem to either a dime plus more a gallon. But even when it comes to gasoline, that's still relatively inexpensive, John, as we get uh, through winter and get into the springtime season. I mean, so there's some inflation in some areas, but in other areas, uh, you know, not not so much.
1: Yeah, I would say if you look at the cost of electric and gas, and our utilities have basically remained relatively stable. Now, if you look at the cost of food, that's gone up uh, tremendously. If you look at the cost of some other stuff, that's gone up. But, yeah, you're right. It is spotty. It's not exactly, you know, a runaway freight train across the board. It is spotty inflation. Uh, it, it's inevitable. I will tell you, I I feel like my grandpa now because my grandpa always complained about prices going up and stuff. And to tell you the truth is sometimes it's hard for me to believe to believe my eyes and my ears when I ring up at the grocery store and Jesus, three hundred fifty bucks, and it's a grocery cart full of food. But that used to represent three grocery carts full of food when I used to shop with my mom and when I was a kid and my grandpa. And I, I see to myself all the time, like God, how is the average person with a couple of kids and working a nine to five doing it? And there, there's no way they are. There's no they They're sacrificing or getting our getting government subsidy. There's absolutely no way. So, and then and then I go to the gas station, like you're talking about. And, and, by the way, that, that particular speedway is notorious. That and Walmart and Salem, I lived there for 10 years, are notorious for having this <laughs> ridiculously low gas prices compared to us. And, and, by the way, in Jupiter, it's 329 a gallon. Oh, so my. Talk, about a, yeah, talk about a world of difference.
0: Yeah, but, but you get a different perspective when you say, you know, you're down there. And, for, quite frankly, things are booming. I mean, you know, that. I mean, I mean, this is what's going on. I mean, I take a look, John. I read the business pages. I try to follow this kind of stuff, and I don't see any bad economic news out there at all. You know, here's the biggest worries, folks, that I, I read in the business pages, as John was saying. The fear of inflation, John, and the fear of, uh, well, inflation and concern over people making more money. Those are the two biggest economic worries that we have right now. Inflation and people's pay going up. Those are not bad worries to have, I don't think, based on yeah, the economic problems to have, absolutely. Yeah, but those are the negatives, John. Those are, when you look around, those are the negatives in the business pages, which means things are going to continue to go pretty good, basically, is what you're saying. Sector-wise, uh, are you still pretty much staying, staying, uh, put in the sectors that you've been in for a while?
1: I am and that by the that's come back to bite me a little bit. Uh just from my just from my um, from a show of action standpoint, but from a performance standpoint, never been better. Uh I think we I think we definitely beat a lot of people to the punch on cybersecurity. We beat a lot of people to the punch on medical devices and um obviously infrastructure. We had those things last year at this time. Cybersecurity a couple couple years ago and Cyber security gave me that sector gave me a lot of trouble for what a year, a year and a half, and then all of a sudden it's popping now uh, because it's become a need, not a want. So, why it's kind of hurt me as a call to action because people are paying me a one, a one a quarter percent fee to manage their money, and they're seeing the same exact portfolios they had, say, maybe last August. The truth of the matter is, it's like, hey, if I was a football coach, and Jim Trussell talked about this once. He ran the same play seven or eight times. And when the head coach called called upstairs to find out why, it's because it keeps working. The truth of the matter is our portfolios are doing outstanding. We're handily, handily beating the market. I mean, very easily beating the market.
0: That's outstanding, though. And and I mean and continue. Didn't you once say to me, just so people understand, if uh, if you're doing investing, you better beat the what S and P five hundred average or what or what have you. Otherwise, what's the point, right? Did I lose him somewhere? Maybe I lost my connection with John. All right, we'll try to get back to him momentarily. In the meantime, it's Ron Verb. I'm live at Stadium GM. Let me tell you what we have going on down here at Stadium GM. Thirty-two percent off 2018 cruises. That's happening right now here at Stadium, so keep that in mind. This is the auto show sales event, ten days only, now through March third. All right, so you got a few days left for that. Thirty-two percent off two thousand eighteen cruises. A new two thousand seventeen cruise is ten thousand dollars off MSRP, only seven are remaining for that. By the way, a new 2017 Chevy Spark is $10,600 off that price. A 2017 Chevy Suburban, $13,500 off of that price. As I go through things here, let me give you some lease pricing. A new 2018 Buick Encore for $199 a month on a 39-month lease. Take a look at, uh, for example, a 2018 GMC Sierra double cab 4x4, 189 a month on a 24-month lease, or perhaps you want a 2018 GMC GMC Terrain, 229 a month on a 36-month lease. Just some examples of some of the leases that we have down here. Zero down delivers, of course, at Stadium GM. You can take a look at all we have to offer on our website, stadiumgm.com, too. Stadiumgm.com, you'll see there our used cars and trucks, as well as the new ones. But you'll notice on the used cars and trucks, we put the Carfax reports there. We put realistic pricing there. And uh, you'd be surprised how many people buy a used car or truck and and or a new product that we have here, not just from our neck of the woods, but from other states here at Stadium GM because we have a large selection here uh, waiting for you to take a look at anything and everything that General Motors makes we carry down here. So take advantage of that. As I said, a 2017 Chevy Cruze, $10,000 off MSRP. Right here, stadiumgm.com and Stadium GM right here at 292 West State Street's in Salem. All right, so we lost our connection there for a second with uh, John Arnold. So you were talking a little bit about your sectors there, John, it, uh, that you're in.
1: Yeah, I was just saying, that, you know, it, there's n- it's like one of those things to where sometimes boring is good, and I take I take, a, I take, a little bit of a verbal beating once in a while from our clients, and good fun, by the way, it's all in good fun, to where our, our portfolios have been so, so good as of late. And by the way, this has never been the case before. I'm not trying to brag. I'm not trying to tout, and 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 I and I guarantee someday I'm going to be wrong, and I'm going to have a miserable year. But right now, um, we're just killing it. And 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 my thing is, my God, why why shift away from what we have here? We're, we're easily beating the market. We have good ideas. We have uh, we have great sectors. We're we're easily beating the SP 500. So it's one of those things to where you're looking at a client saying, "I'm sorry that." You're charging me, and we're charging you a management fee, but right now, sometimes managing is, is not doing anything right, and, and well, letting uh, this thing build. Right, and you're earning. Keep building. Yeah.
0: All right. Stand by, John Arnold's coming back with segment number two after the headlines. News Radio 570, WQN. This is the Ron Verb show on News Radio 570
1: WKBN. This is Paul Wetzel. Temp is 47.
0: The following is a paid program and does not necessarily represent the views of Media. This <laughs> radio 570 in and Ron Verb with you right up until 7 o'clock tonight. We are live at Stadium GM. John Arnold's our guest. Comments, questions you have for John? Feel free to call us, 729-9977, 729-9977. you got comments or questions about stocks, bonds, mutual funds, John's uh, thoughts or ideas. We take on all comers. There's some smart investors out there that follow the show. Give us a call. And uh, throw your two cents in, 729-9977, 729-9977. Obviously, three three zero seven two nine ninety nine seventy seven 729 will get you through to us tonight on 570 WKVN and uh, Ron Verbe. All right, uh, where are we uh, going to? Let's see, back to John Arnold, and we'll talk about what we have going on here at... Uh, the john arnold you collect a management fee but your management fee is based on you know how well the account is doing explain how you charge people john you know i want you to do that and i also want you to explain how you pick up the fees for trades and things so people get an understanding please
1: all right well let me start with that instead so um how fidelity and charles schwab and and uh, td Ameritrade and some of the custodians, other custodians i use uh, make their money is they, they make their money on transactional costs. So someone's got to pay those, either the client or John Arnold. So our clients never see those. So if I make 10 trades in an account, basically a client's going to pay 70 bucks. So what I do instead is I pick that up for the client and I eat it. Another thing, uh, that I do is I eat up what's called an IRA fee. A lot of custodial, custodial houses will charge Forty to seventy-five, sometimes as high as one hundred fifteen dollars a year to charge. what's called an IRA reporting fee because they're reporting, they're sending, you know, obviously some kind of literature, some kind of reporting to the IRS saying that this is an IRA and that the gains are non-taxable. Same for a Roth or a simpler, set, et cetera. And then, uh, and then there's other things called alternative investment fees, which are very heavy, and custodial costs. Sometimes there's highs. $250 to $500 a year, because that because if you hold an alternative investment inside a uh, custodian, th- they're not going to get paid because it's not a transactional thing, because normally when you buy a, something called a REIT or a BDC or an oil well or whatever have you, which is considered an, an alternative investment, that custodial company, whether it's TD Ameritrade or Fidelity, they're not going to get paid on it because it's non-transactional, Most of the clients that have those hold those for four years. So there's kind of like a back-ended penalty for not being transactional with what's called an alternative investment fee. Bottom line is is there's a lot of fees that that our clients get nickel and dimed for that I pick up because when I created the firm, I wanted the firm to be exactly how I would want it to be if I was the client. How would I want things to run if I was the client and somebody else was managing my money? To me, it's an honor, and I'm not just saying this. I sound like a politician, but I'm talking from the heart right now. It's an honor to have someone trust me with their wealth. So that's when say, here's my blood, sweat, and tears for the past 30, 40 years. Here's my inheritance from my parents that did the same thing. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to trust you so much that we're going to let you handle it in a very risky, uh, adverse situation, which is the stock market. And we trust you, John, uh, to do that. And so... I always felt that when, when, when the clients are losing money, and they will, there's going to be months when you're down. There's going to be years when you're down. John Arnold should not make the same amount of money regardless of the car, the client making or, li- or not losing money or, or losing money. So what I did is I built a firm, since, I'm the, since I own the RAA, that registered investment advisory firm, I built a firm with a model that says I'm going to take on all the fees, all the custodial costs, Everything. The only thing you have to do is pay me a percentage a month based on the account value to where if the account value falls, my compensation falls with it. And when the account value goes up, my compensation raises with it. That way, if and when I do lose, you know I'm taking the pain with you. I'm taking the hurt. Additionally, you know that I'm working hard for you and that we're doing everything in our power to grow your account because I want a bigger paycheck as well. I'm very hard to beat when it comes to that. When, when someone's sitting across from me, me uh, across the table and saying, you know, okay, what separates, what separates you from, say, XYZ firm? Well, here it is. Here's my line in the sand. We're on the same team, and I put my money where my mouth is. So we charge 1 to 1% every month based on the account value. We pick up all the custodial costs. And obviously there's some times where I'm wrong. There's some months where the stock market just sucks. Most of the time or right, most of the time we get a pay raise. But main thing is I built a custodian. I built a, an investment advisory firm that's one hundred percent, not ninety nine percent, but one hundred percent in favor of the client first. And I love that. I never have to apologize to a client, I never have to look over my shoulder, I never have to call a client and say, Hey, you know that two hundred dollar trade we that I you know we did for XYZ stock, I was wrong about well we gotta charge you a hundred dollars to get out of it. And to get your money back now I gotta charge you another couple hundred dollars commission because uh, you know the broker, the brokerage house. Uh, that's the mandatory commission. I never have those. I never have that hanging over my head, and uh, I'm very proud of that. And uh, hopefully, I've kind of wrapped up in a in, in a full circle how I run my firm.
0: Right, but I mean, there's a significant difference, just so people know, on how he, on, on, just so you understand up front, how John runs this and picks up those fees, and how he gets compensated. In addition to that, when you decide to go with John Arnold and uh, and say, okay. You are an active money manager. Explain a little bit about that and how you can trade without uh, calling the client and why you have that philosophy.
1: All right. Um, I'm trying to condense that story as short as we can so I don't make you yawn. So on 2007, I, 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 there's a couple things that happened. One, I had a very big client who ultimately became, who was also a very good friend of, of our family. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call her Nancy. And she, we were making money hand over fist. I never forget between 2006 and 2007. I remember I just seemed to be hitting everything right. The problem is, is every time I'd buy and trade and sell for finance, for even though we were making a lot of money for her, she's paying crazy commissions. Partly because my fault—that's what I was charging—but more, more importantly, that the firm would only let me discount my trades to where she was still paying a pretty penny on her trades. So. And you're talking about uh, she was a multi-million dollar client, so she was buying twenty to thirty thousand shares of, of something at a time. And she called me on the carpet on it. She said, "John, you know, I really like what you're doing, and we're making a lot of money. But don't you think these trade costs are out of hand?" And I said, "You know what? I, I, I to be totally honest with you, I've always thought that, but I just don't know any other way to do it." So I researched what's called the investment advisory industry, and and I. And I loved it. I was thinking, wow, that's where you so a client pays uh, a percentage based on the performance, usually one to two percent on the account value, depending on the size of the account. And in that way, basically, when the account goes up, he or she gets make makes more money. When the account goes down, they make less money, or I make less money. And uh, you know, you you fill the the wins and losses with the client. And I said, you know what? That's what I'm converting my my practice to. I'm, I'm doing that so I never. Have to apologize again and feel like I heal. The second thing that the second thing that happened is I got permission from a client on a Wednesday night to trade one of the you know two of their mutual funds, uh, sell them and then buy stocks with them the next day. Unfortunately, my bronchitis had turned into pneumonia. I went to the doctor's that next morning. They did breathing treatments. Um, I went home. The doctor said, "Go home." Honestly, the last thing I wanted to do is go into the office and make the trades. I went back that, that fr- the Friday thereafter, which was just forty-eight hours from the trade per- permission, and um, the, the stocks we were going to buy were actually they were down, so we were getting them at a better price. So I bought them, and about a week and a half later, the client called and complained and said, "Well, we, you know, I told him to buy on Thursday because we made the confirmation on Wednesday night." Well, the regulators picked that up in an audit about two years after the trade, believe it or not. Even though it was busted, I got fined five thousand, and I said, "Never, ever again will I ever um, do it." What's called a, 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 you know, obviously take a, an account where it's non-discretionary. So we turned our entire practice over to discretionary trading, uh, to where I act on time and price for the client, their best interest. I became a fiduciary. And, um, obviously, I, my compensation went up and down with the client. So, it, it was a hard lesson learned. Uh, one was a positive, one was a negative, but it was a good lesson. And it really lifted my, my firm to different heights by doing that because now, the whole, the entire industry's gone that way. Uh, and I was already there in 2008. So, um, that's what I do differently. I, like you mentioned, I, I only take what's called discretionary accounts where I'm acting on time and price for the client. In their best interest, uh, we do not take clients that want uh, mandatory permission. I know I politely excuse myself from the account, or don't take them. Seems to me that almost of the clients love it anyway because they don't want to be bothered. What they want is a bottom line at the end of the month. It says more bad or more good than bad, and um, and that's my style of my personality anyway. So I'm a very bottom line guy. Uh, I'm not into the you know the the Edward Jones send you Christmas cards and soccer games, you know, how's your kids soccer game? I don't care. All they care about is making you money and not losing you money and trying to beat the market. And normally a, a friendship develops from there, but my, the friendship is the secondary, believe it or not. I, what's more important to me than anything is making sure that we're acquiring and trying to obtain your investment results that you wanted and are paying for, and obviously uh, to, uh, to meet those in the most suitable manner possible. And, and like I said, a lot of times a friendship develops, but that's not our number one goal to where, like when I was taught when I was young is you develop a relationship uh, and you make kind of the client fall in love with you and that way you got them forever and this and that. And I, I, honestly, I think that's horse crap. I think you choose an investment advisor based on the, the same scenarios you would do a surgeon or a, an attorney, and you're trying to get the best man or woman for the, for the least amount of money uh, to perform a result. And I just happen to be that guy, so um, that's my belief, and, and that's the way we build our firm
0: and i and didn't you find as as you did that that is what most people wanted they wanted, in other words, they're going to do what they do it, 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 the, the average guy doesn't have time to watch the market every day, see if it's going up or down, or say, "Hey, you know we want to go in this thing basically don't you think for the longest time people were looking for an active money manager, not somebody who puts him in a in a mutual fund and forgets about him
1: i do and, and here's the irony of that. Wait, here's the irony of what you said there. When I first converted my practice over from from brokerage, trading commissions to advisory to what I do now, the question I had, seven to eight out of ten clients, was why doesn't everybody do this? Like, where has this been all my life? And and, and I had to be honest with the clients. Like, I had to be honest with you guys. You and the listeners, like, honestly, I joined the industry in 99 this is all we've known. I, I just thought all this time it was commissions. I thought it was high commissions and transactional, and that's the way you got paid and loads on mutual funds. And, you know, the, 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 the i seen the big picture in 2008 when I did some investigating that, hey, uh, there's another side of this thing. And you as the client now are learning about this themselves, and they're loving it. So the clients loved it, yes, like you pointed out. They still do. But like I said, it's kind of old hat now. That's where the industry's gone and where it's going. I, I don't believe in 10 years you'll have a load mutual fund. I don't I don't believe in 10 years that you'll have trading. It's where you buy a XYZ stock at Merrill and you pay $500 for the trade. I, I don't think that those days will exist in five, 5 to 10 years. I don't. I think 100% of the industry will be fiduciary, fee-based trading, and the good news is I've, I've already been there and started everything in 2008. Uh, obviously, we've moved over about 75 to 80% of our clients into that side of things, and, and more come that side that are maybe getting out of some annuities or mutual funds that didn't make sense to sell out of since they paid the load in oh five or 4 Bottom line is is that's the way we do it. That's the way the industry is going to do it, and, and, and we'll be doing it. And uh, we beat them to the punch by a decade, and, and I'm proud of that
0: all right and uh, and you're right you beat him to the punch by quite some time this if people remember remember was it under obama that they were saying that they get, they were concerned about financial guys doing stuff that was in their best interest not their client's best interest in other words they'd be doing stuff to generate commissions and that they, and that, that was very troubling and they were going to put laws against that that's the difference though between what you were doing even before those regulations took place and what everyone else was doing right i mean because you know they were complaining that they didn't have the client's best interest at heart you had already switched your practice over to where you were directly affected by how well you did for the client
1: yeah, and what you're describing is the, is the fiduciary role. Now, here's the truth: I'm going to say nine, and you'll always disagree with me. But nine out of ten advisors, either they're commission based or fee based, like myself. I think, and yeah, I'm kind of defending my competition here. I think that they go to work and they try to do the best for their client, regardless. I really do. Now, the industry has gone to a fiduciary standard towards forced. And the other thing the fiduciary standard does for the for the client versus the broker is. Now you have a legal obligation to perform. Versus, like, let's say you were caught churning, which is is actively trading just to get the benefit of the commission. That's a, that's a big no go in our business. That's an instant loss of license or a huge fine for both. Well, let's say you got caught churning an account. All right, worst thing can happen is FINRA takes your license and you're off selling real estate. Those days are over, which I like. Those days are now. You got a criminal prosecution. Now the SEC. Now the state securities team is going to take action on you criminally, and if they can prove that you've actually harmed the client, you might face jail time, or or, or in, in some kind of other punishment other than just losing your license. So that fiduciary rule is more is now a legal rule to where you have a you know you're, you're going to go to court and face a trial of jury by your peers criminally if you've done something wrong versus. Well, I just lost my license, and now I'm no longer a broker. I'm going to go sell something else, and 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 that's fair. That's fair to the client. I like that. And as you talked before, the fiduciary standard, which, by the way, I don't—I've never known any different, and most brokers really haven't known any different. And I'm always going to stick up for brokers because the majority of the people in our industry are really good people. Um, they they get up in the morning, and like I said, they take their sh- they 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 put their suit on and. In their mind, I'm going to do the best I can for my client and my compensation second. Now, just like in any situation, like for, like even with the school shootings and all those things, you're always going to have 2 or 3% of the numbnuts, the, the knuckleheads out there, that ruin it for everybody else. So that's all you hear about. Right? You only hear about the jerk-offs out there that are hurting people and churning accounts and, and forging and all that other stupid crap. But that's such a rare thing. The regulations in our industry are so tight and so over the top. It's it's hard to get away with uh, not sending a birthday card without your compliance team getting you know uh, mad about it. So what the fiduciary fiduciary rule is done and what's going to do is make everybody across the board very honest and get that two to three percent of the the, cr- the crap out in the center industry industry. The people that hurt people—they're going to get—it's going to get them out of there, and that's good for us. So I'm all for it. I've always been for it. Um, when people hear about the fiduciary role, client-wise, they're like, "Why well, thought all this time? Well, you had to act on my best behalf." Well, the truth is, is so did I. But legally, now it's in force. So I know that—I know that sounds like an oxymoron or, or even bizarre to our listeners. But before. A couple years ago, you did not have a duty legally, legally speaking, to perform on the best of interest of your clients. Now you do.
0: And as a, as a result, of that now I want to talk a little bit about clients. I mean, because you're always getting new clients. Let's say, I mean, and you're keeping the old ones, obviously, but you're adding new ones. A typical client would uh, that's uh, that's going to John Arnold. If you had to describe him, would be roughly somebody in their in their uh, mid fifties to uh, early sixties. Would that be an accurate description?
1: I I think you have to broaden it a little bit. Believe it or not, there's a lot of very successful uh forty year olds and then a lot of people still packing a lot of punch in the marketers in their mid seventies so I would say the horizon for me would be like thirty five to eighty okay so and and believe me i've learned that lesson the hard way there you definitely don't want to judge a book by its cover when it comes to the stock market you never age wise know you never know who's rolling in the door with what that's for sure, and you definitely don't know who they know so um I would say thirty five again to seventy five, maybe even eighty would be the bookends. Now a certain net worth. I I, I personally like a client that knows what they're doing a little bit, that understands the lingo, that doesn't get upset when the market goes down five hundred points and more importantly doesn't get overly happy and excited when we make a ton of money in one quarter, which believe me, let me tell you about the death punch for a client, advisor relationship, the gift. I got to tell you, most of the time when a client gives me a gift because they're so happy with their investment results for the quarter, that is like suicide for our relationship. I get so afraid because that tells me that they're not emotionally right for the stock market. Most of the time, they shouldn't be happy. They shouldn't be mad. They should just say, "Great, we had a great. We won this one. Uh, we won this battle. Uh, maybe won the, the year battle, but that war, that that stock market's a marathon." we got some battles we're going to lose in the meantime. And if you're getting that happy, when we win a battle, you're going to get that much discouraged when we lose a battle, and that's, that's not good for us. So I try, I, try to get, I try to gauge the client's temperament and their emotions when I take them on to make sure that their, their expectations are realistic. I always tell them, if we're going into a stock market-sensitive product, the main thing I can guarantee is that I'm going to lose you some money sometimes and sometimes I'm going to be wrong. Guarantee that. Take it to the bank. Uh, our goal is for me to make the right decision most of the time. I'm going to have some really great years. I'm going to have some bad ones. Um, main thing is you got a guy you can trust. You got somebody that's working for you, giving you any new ideas. I can tell you why the idea is working or why it should have worked. We never just take a loss on a stock or an investment and say, "Well, that's just it that was just bad luck." No, there's always a strategic reason of why. I had a plan, and, and sometimes it didn't go as well as we thought, uh, and, and, and that's what they get with me, and I think that's what they get with the strategy I propose. So when, when interviewing a client, they're interviewing me, but I'm interviewing them back, and I'm making sure that we're going to be a team and we're going to be a fit because just like in a marriage, not you know, it's not a one-size-fits-all. You're going to have some fights. You're going to do some wrongs. Uh, as long as it's not malicious, you work through it, you move ahead, on to the next day to celebrate another anniversary together. the same exact scenarios between uh, that I have between my clients and I is they got to know that I'm working it for the long haul, and uh, they got some sort of intelligence behind them, and they know that I got their back. And if they get, you know, if they have a, some bucks to them, and they got normal expectations, and they can handle the client advisor relationship, we're usually a winner. We usually it's going to be a, a long life relationship, and that's what I'm looking for.
0: That's what I'm looking for in the interview process. And uh, and it's not a franchise, I mean, or anything like that. This is John Arnold, locally found right there in Canfield. Talk about uh, the guy that's the carpenter, the surveyor, the self-employed person. It might be just on his own. Do you help them with the retirement planning and maybe even a little tax planning, I guess, that, that you could say if they, if they don't have that uh, right now? Because there's a lot of individuals out there that work for themselves.
1: Absolutely. That, that, and that's become more and more prominent, and we do help a lot of those folks. So we set up a SEP or a simple IRA for them, or maybe a single K. Uh, we do the proper, what's called qualified plans for them, and the quarterback in that is actually, usually their tax advisor, or more, more importantly, their CPA. I always recommend, if you have a business, you got to use a CPA. you got to use a guy or a woman that has a three letters behind their name. They're very important, um, because they're going to keep you honest when the IRS comes knocking to the door. So... I let the, the CPA kind of quarterback which qualified plan we're going to team up on. And then from there, we, we pick the one that's going to be more advantageous to them as, as far as investments. A simple IRA, a SEP IRA, a 401k, a 403b, a single K, all those terms are tax labels. They are not investments. Those are merely tax labels. So when somebody tells me, well, I want to invest in a 401k, there's no such thing. You want to invest in a qualified plan. But you want to name it a 401K. Okay, we got that. Let's discuss the investments. Let's discuss, let's discuss the strategies and what you, want that, what you want that to do for you. And let's discuss how we can make that the most inexpensive way possible for you because i got to tell you, if you have a 30- to 50-man company or, or say, man-and-woman company being diplomatic here, uh, you, those TPA costs, third third-party third administration costs, can be very heavy. and and, unless you have a a guy or a woman on your team like myself like trying to like strategize and find out who is the best TPA who's going to be the best provider to to coordinate with that TPA where it's the lowest cost for the employer the best return on benefit to the employees and you as the business owner also get something out of it I can tell you I've I've had a lot of experience in doing that we've been pretty successful in doing that um... it's been a home run for us and, and and I love doing it because If the the CPA and the advisor really team up on a business owner, it's a home run. It is an absolute home run for them because we can keep them from paying enormous taxes. Instead, shift that tax burden into qualified dollars into their pocket and help retain key employees by doing so. So we should probably have an entire show on qualified plans, which I always talk about we need to uh, when I'm in the studio one day. Uh but yeah, we we help a lot of people with qualified plans, as you pointed out.
0: All right, but I mean, a lot of times, just from your own experience, a lot of these guys that are self-employed, they might not have a uh, disability plan, they might not have to uh, even a retirement plan that can save them not just on their taxes, but ultimately, uh, you know, supplement their Social Security as time goes on, and uh, and a strategy to say, here's what it is for whatever your age might be, and you might be 30, or you might be in your 20s, or you might be in your 40s, the sooner the better to start planning that kind of stuff so that you can put money into to it, I don't want to say forget about it, but let it ride for a number of years for your own retirement because people got to remember Social Security is not your sole retirement. It's just a supplement. You still need additional money. That's uh, that's coming in, and John can help you plan for that. And you always, I think, have to have some type of fallback on any type of uh, disability that you can have or get hurt, whether that's sh- uh, long term or short term. You got to have that. Uh, keep that in mind. All right, now to get a hold of John Arnold, how do we track you down? As far as uh, explain to people where you're located, because you're located in Canfield. You know, like I like to say, this is John Arnold, he's local, he's here, he's got a big following in the in the community, obviously, and he's been here a long time. But he's located right there. If you know where 220 24 and uh, uh, Tippecanoe are, the Shell Station over there and the bank over there in that corner. Well, if you drive a little bit further up the hill and turn right, you'll see an entry into Star Center, okay, as you're going up that hill, and you turn into that uh, road, and then you make a left, uh, and you can drive right down to John's office right there. We'll give you a number for an appointment, a website that you can visit, and uh, you know, and then John kind of talks to you, and you kind of talk to him, and you try to lay out a strategy that's you're comfortable with and he's comfortable with as far as your future is concerned. That's how the process begins, but it all starts with a phone call. Tell him what the number is, John.
1: Yeah, free consultation at 330-965-9890. Again, 330-965-9890. You can also check us out at www.jarnoldwealth.com, www.jarnoldwealth.com. Uh, Very new, brand new website.
0: Good to go. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Have a good night. Remember, you can take us with you wherever you go. Just download the free iHeartRadio app. It's free.